Welcome to another episode of The Junction. I am so excited to talk about AI committees today. I think it's really important that people understand that we are not just running these things in a vacuum by ourselves. Um, you are not alone. And if you are wanting to implement an AI strategy at your organization, that a committee going about it by way of committee could actually be a really strat good strategy for you. So we'll talk about that. We'll jump into our headlines per usual and see see where the conversation goes in between. Sound good? Just make sure we like cover all the bases, but we don't go too far because sometimes... We go too far, and sometimes we don't go deep enough. So let's meet somewhere in the middle. Are you getting feedback from our listeners on that? Um, you know, there was that one guy, though, that reached out um, and said hello Shout to us. Shout out Jason. Yeah, Jason, yeah. super cool for him to reach out, say hello. Um, I think, admittedly, he was our first fan mail. I don't know if we, we said that. In, we were pretty excited about our yeah, first fan mail. We were super yeah. pumped. Um, and it was very thoughtful. Jason, I just have to shout out, like, very thoughtful email um, I think I actually would like to in our next episode sort of like it, there may be some copyright infringement on this, but I want to play the song that he sent over on oh, yeah. YouTube um, and kind of break down his take on the land of stable diffusion and all the things AI. Yeah, sounds great. So today we're going to talk about we have rolled out a AI or established an AI committee here at Venn Technology. How did that come to be? You know, I think um, like some of our podcast episodes, it just came on a whim. And I realized that uh, I th I think I was the one that uh, started it. And if I'm not, somebody can tell me I'm I wrong. I think you were, yeah. Um, but I realized that um, in what we're doing, we're doing a lot of top-down talking like, hey, guys, we're going to go do this. You don't have a lot of opportunity to, to buy in or come up with it on your own. And in all of these discussions we're having, it's like, it's really important for uh, everybody to be bought in, right? Because we're talking about automating people's jobs. We're talking about how do we be more productive. Right? And you have to have this sense of, and, and the whole organization needs to buy into what we're doing. Because from the types of automations that we're building out, it's not just like, well, let me help, help me write my resume, right? We're talking about across all of the processes that we have, like AI is going to touch all of them. And how can we do it in a way that helps you, but also not only makes you more efficient, but more productive, right? And not in like the, not in like the, oh, well, the company's going to try to extract more value out of me, right? But mm. I mean, some of our goals are, um, you know, rewarding work. Like people want to be excited about it and people want to put their hands on it and talk about it. And some of them, um, you know, can't necessarily program, but they have some really good ideas. So, that's where it kind of came into, into mind because I've been talking to um, a lot of interviewees. One of the questions that I've been asking is, hey, where is this open AI thing going? Like, we're, you know, you, maybe you haven't touched it yet. Maybe you have. And they all, have some, they all have some really great answers because they're trying to be their best, you know, their best self for the interview. And they're all really creative. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't thinking about, oh, man, I didn't think about that. Um, but getting everybody's take on it has been probably the most beneficial thing because yeah. everybody has an idea on how it should work and nobody has been doing this for decades. I mean, okay, maybe there's like one guy, but not on average. Yeah. I like how we've, so first of all, it's voluntary, right? So you let a lunch and learn on this and talked about, here's kind of what we know, state of the union, where we think the opportunities are for use cases. 
but then open it up to the team. Hey, if you're interested in being a part of the AI committee here at Venn, raise your hand. And then we established a cadence of meetings. We have, you know, kind of your typical, we've got a few sponsors, kind of executive sponsors. We've got folks that are, um, you know, taking, making sure we're taking down the notes, driving the the meeting agenda. Um, but to your point, it's not just folks in there that know how to code like myself. I can talk all day long about use cases, but once y'all start jumping into the tool and we even did some whiteboarding the other day, which I, I do like that. I love me a whiteboard um, doodle. But when we start jumping really deep into the weeds on like the architecture and how the solution's going to work, you've kind of lost me a little bit. But it's important that we have that rounded kind of uh, team, right? Yeah. So that's not just folks and, and from cross-functionally different departments talking about weighing the pros and cons of if we pursue this use case, what is the impact cross-functionally? Is mm -hmm. it only benefiting one team member or 10 team members? Is there a play to uh, go to market with the solution at some point? So we're, you know, actively discussing all these things and then holding one another kind of accountable week to week on what we say we want to go do or build and actually getting down to the action items of implementing it. Cause I think if it was just you chase, like, okay, we're going to do an AI thing. I mean, you, you happily go and build these things on your own in your own free time. But, um, it, like keeping you, you've got so many other hats you're wearing. Oh, right? sure. And so that's part one is just evening out the workload, but then two, getting the buy-in from the rest of the team and then three, that's something that like people who are naturally inclined or passionate about, they can have a voice and it's kind of like a fun little side project. Yeah. Uh, well, what's really fun about it is that because it's for people who have been in for a long time, this isn't like brand new, right? But I'll call it for the last six months, right? People were, there's an, an It's been more readily available to your average consumer. Yeah. Like I talked to somebody the other day. He's like wrote a thesis on this like 10 years yeah. ago. Okay. Like he's he's probably sitting back like, gosh, gosh all, Mel, these, all Mel, these people talking about If Mel AI's would just call new. my name out, people would know about <laughs> We are going to get him on the podcast. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, but I think what is really interesting for the average uh, individual, right, you, you have this wonder and excitement about something that really, for the most part, the majority of the population in the world has never really talked about, done anything with, right? You think about like being a mechanic and talking about like new mechanical processes and I'm already like falling asleep, but I, I do love my mechanic and I love working on cars, but it's like, this has been around for a century, right? Um, large language models and this AI, this, the things that have happened in the last six months are like everybody's starting basically from the same page, right? And there's not just one, this one expert that's going to walk in and be like, oh yeah, Check me out. I know everything, Mel. I know more than you, you know? Like, everybody can walk in, and if they're up to speed on the news, like, we're all operating from the same base. So I think that's one of the things that's really exciting. Um, and part of the benefit of having this committee is, like, we can all throw all, the, all these ideas out there, and some of them, you know, might land flat, but some of them I feel like are going to be um, not only really beneficial for us, but things that we can package up and we can sell to our clients or educate them on or consult consult them on how they're doing their things. Um, and I thought that was um, just super unique that people can walk into that room and not have to be a coder 
but can have some really great ideas. And it was around that kind of continuous learning, one of our one of our core values and rewarding work, that I think that the committee is really going to shine. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're thinking about starting a committee, um, what are a few recommendations that you would have around forming it, cadence, things like that? Um, I realized quickly um, that at least as you and I were going to be joining, we weren't going to be joining a whole lot. I think I missed two or three of the meetings because of travel. Um, You definitely need to have somebody that is uh, not only excited about it, but can definitely keep the committee going and has some level of organizational buy-in. Shout out to Troy. Troy. Troy on our team has been instrumental in keeping the the wheels turning on our committee. As Chase mentioned, we've kind of been in and out for travel or, you know, the occasional conflict, especially because Chase, you still manage a pretty customer facing role. So, you know, those client calls, you got to sell those deals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to sell them what the committee's coming up with. Yeah, know? exactly. So I, I think cross-functional, yes, it should not be all leadership. You should definitely be have somebody who somebody one or more people that sit in leadership so they can um, communicate back to the leadership team in the terms in which mm-hmm. makes sense those you know kind of we have a regular cadence of meeting as a leadership team and making sure that that basically is communicated back what's happening what's the impact yeah um, and then having folks that sit in, some of the more tactical seats, they're technically inclined. And then you've got the folks that maybe are basically you want someone who's touching pretty much every kind of point of your customer life cycle. Probably you might just be focusing internally on internal use cases, but you know, it's, there's a lot of value that comes from having folks from basically every function or department, which I don't actually, do we have somebody from every single function or department? Um, I think operations is not in on it yet. Okay, but <clears throat> the other two things that actually came to mind was were are having sort of a kind of a legal game plan. Like first and foremost, lay the ground rules for everybody. Right? Can we? What kind of data can we throw in here? What are our agreements with our customers? What are like? What are our own internal you know policies on mm-hmm. stuff that we're generating? Can I just drop drop some code that I wrote that's you know production? Can I just throw that in there? Is that cool, Mel? Like, are we good? You know? Um, so come up with some game rules before you start the committee. And then after that, I would also focus on... This and if you have a legal department, have someone sit in on it. Oh, yeah. That'd be uh, great. Sometimes they can... They, I guess, you know, depending on, and I don't want to paint with broad strokes, but as long as everybody comes to the meeting with the mindset that we are brainstorming and this is an open collaborative space... And we're not going to implement anything we've talked about today because that'll get your legal team oh, yeah, those fired for- up real fast. Forward-looking statements, you know, all those. I also feel like we just earned some kind of uh, some mail at uh, the junction at ventechnology.com. On this episode, you just talked about how da-da-da, and as a lawyer, da-da-da-da-da-da. And I really like lawyers. I love law. Um, um, did really well in my law class in business school. Um, anyway, love you guys. Um the other thing too, they're important. They protect, right? They, yeah, they, but they aim to protect. That's awesome. The brand. That. See, yeah. Now we're going to get some good fit mail. Yeah. <laughs> that's always my spin as your self-appointed mm. public relations uh, coordinator. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so I felt like you were going to add something else to that. Yeah, so the last one is um, in. If you're in the committee or you're on the committee, don't don't recommend or or pull 
technology or platforms that you don't have access to. Everything that we talked about or we are talking about, we already have an open AI account. We've already got Salesforce. We've got Zoom, right? We're building ideas around tools that we're already using. The challenge with doing it on something else, like, I don't know, if you don't have Salesforce, and it would be like, great, what if we did all these great things and we implemented Salesforce and we did all this other stuff? Well, you just signed yourself up for a huge chunk of work and you don't even know it yet. Um, so focus on tools that you're already using. And a lot using. of spend. And a lot of spend, yeah. Yeah. So maybe not keep that as a wish list. That could still be something that you kind of have a backlog of. But I do kind of like the idea of, and we've not incorporated this into our AI committee cadence, but what if we spent five or ten minutes every time we met on introducing like a show and tell of one new tool, mm. like a new AI tool that's yeah. out there. I mean, these tools are rolling out like hundreds, thousands yeah. a day. I don't know. It's yeah. ridiculous. So um, maybe we do something like that. We incorporate a show and tell totally. component because even if it's not something that we use in our end or use cases or solutions, it's kind of opening a dialogue up around what these other tools are doing and yeah. it might spark some inspiration and in how we can, you know, apply some similar logic to our solutions. Yeah. That, um, is a great, uh, leeway right into this. I'm going to shout out this one company that I found. They've actually been around for a while, but it's called fireflies.ai and what was really unique is that the it's a uh, call recording type setup where it records the call, does the transcript deal, it summarizes some stuff, it pulls out some bullets. They've even implemented this kind of chat GPT. They call it Fred GPT, where you can ask questions of the transcript. Um, but I thought what was really unique is that they basically invite you as the like if I if I have an account and you're on my meeting, I can have it send you a summary of the call. Mm. And it's like this automatic invite deal. Like it's a genius business case for these guys to just like, hey, come check out the call summary. Oh, by the way, if you really like this, you can sign up right now. Just click this button. Yeah. Um, Some good product marketers. Oh, totally. Right oh, man. I was like, oh, man, how much is it now? Now I got to figure out how to buy it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, tools are coming out all the time. And I love that idea. It's just constant like, we'll check this tool out. We'll check you know, that tool out. It's not too dissimilar. I mean, it's not the same, but you know, like Calendly, anyone can book. You don't need a right. It, you know, you, you get people so conditioned to that. You get your mm. like that clients clients conditioned to right. it. Now everyone's like, send me your Calendly, Calendly. link. It's like, like it's, the new Kleenex. Yeah, it's like yeah. yes, totally. It's yeah. like the the verb. So, what is the differentiator? So, Fireflies they they essentially integrate to your. A meeting platform like Zoom or yeah, Zoom. They've got integrations into Salesforce. Um, they've got a number of them actually. Um, but I, I I like your point though, right? On your committee, or even if you're not going to run a committee, it's more important to figure out what the tool does and the thought or the idea behind it than it is to sign up for a free trial. Um, because this one deal that I pulled up, like the idea of what automatically kind of invited me by sending out a summary email. Mm. maybe you're just doing this for your internal stuff, right? Like send them a summary of the transcript just to the internal folks, right? There's that idea, that quick idea of, of getting buy-in from other people by utilizing this automation. So anyway. I like how just on initial review of their you know, homepage, it's groups, the you can filter by task, dates and times, questions, pricing, like 
that's that's really neat. Yeah. Anyway, seems like a great great group of folks, but I feel like all of these, I, if you pull up their use cases, like these are all ideas that we've been kind of talking about just in one form or fashion. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they have their own AI committee. Probably. And that's another thing that we are constantly evaluating when we're looking at these different use cases is do we build it mm. or do we buy it or do we wait for them to roll it out? Yeah. So there's, we've talked a lot about the transcripts and the sales summaries and things that you can find out. There are tools out there, i.e. Gong, that have been doing this for a while. They're very established. But if you don't want to go spend uh, thirteen dollars to $15,000 uh, to try it and see if it works, it might be a good option to build it yourself yeah. and see, see, right? So keep that in mind as you set up your AI committee and start talking about these things. Um, those are some other things to consider as you... Um, go looking for solutions or consider building your own. So let's jump into headlines. We've got a couple of really interesting ones here per usual. Um, Microsoft AI researchers accidentally exposed terabytes of internal sensitive data. All right, give me an idea. What's a terabyte? A terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. Okay, and so it- multiple terabytes. It says terabytes. I'm inclined to be like, well, that's not a... I mean, a terabyte's big, but uh, it could be worse. I mean, it could be worse. It could be, you know, I don't know what kind of data this is. There could is be- some sensitive information like passwords. Oh, um, yeah. I think two entire computers worth of um, information. It's exposed. Essentially, what it came down to was there was another, there, something in here was con- misconfigured to allow full control rather than read-only permissions, Mm. which is kind of a big deal. Um, But then the article kind of wraps up with, like, this is just something that we're all going to have to deal with. with." Yeah. it. I I don't know. What's your take on this? I mean, it says these are becoming increasingly hard to monitor and avoid. I mean, we have looked at Microsoft Azure as a platform in our AI strategy um, with OpenAI, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, does this give you pause? What do we do next? How do we mitigate similar risks? Um, you know, I think if if you're going to be utilizing large sets of data to train large language models, this is probably a really big risk for you. But as I read this, it talks about uh, the data also contained other sensitive personal information like passwords and secret keys. Like you're probably not going to train your data model on on passwords and secret keys. So part of me really wonders, like, were, were these people in dual roles? Did they have access to more information than they were supposed to? Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to the process side of the security aspect here. Um, I'm also really curious how they what kind of computer that they were running that they had 38 terabytes on their personal backup. Um, like either that's all on their computer. Sounds or like someone in marketing. <laughs> like, we got all these video files and who knows? we had to get our own server here at Ben just to house all of our files. Well, totally. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not as big as it used to sound like, but it's definitely like a question of well, what 38 terabytes. That's 38,000 gigabytes. Um, it's just a ton of information. And so 
one of the things that is interesting is to train an AI. You have to have lots and lots of data to be able to train it on all all of these things. Um, so it really will continue to be a growing issue. Um, but it really goes back to the process side of that people process and technology piece, right? Like they had they had misconfigured it. Well, if they misconfigured it, then they probably didn't follow the process. I think in general, my question around this is what can, obviously what can we learn from it if Microsoft is having this issue and they're a big, you know, tech company, you know, is this just kind of an anomaly? Um really it's probably a just make sure that whatever you're doing, especially if you're feeding it data that you would consider sensitive, that you have security controls in place. Yeah, security controls and processes. And then one of the things that I see over and over again in these security checks is that there are audits. When was the last audit that you ran? What were the results? And then, it, you know, if you're in big tech, you're probably used to this, that somebody is is checking and performing audits. And in a small business, you just don't really have enough time to really do that. So kind of instituting processes and policies and then at the very least having something that's automated that does some kind of check would be would have been really helpful here like you know when people get busted for downloading a file and they're trying to hock it to their competitor there's something that checked to saw that they the down the file was downloaded like yeah. some kind of event popped up something like that um, can help mitigate risk like this yeah so put the tools aside and think to yourself, what are those things that we wouldn't want, you know, and someone else mm-hmm. to have access to and build process around that. That's why our sales force starts out with the, the, the either, well, it depends on how you think about it, the most security or the least amount of resp- roles and responsibilities. And that's why Brent complains all the time because it's, uh, you only get what you need. You need to know, right? Or you need to have access on a to. need to know basis. He, he's yeah. definitely on a need to know basis. <laughs> oh, poor Brent! Shout out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that was a good one. Well, this next headline, we're we're taking a one eighty here. Austin Church holds AI generated service hmm. using ChatGPT. Interesting. Yeah. So this pastor out of Austin. The Violet Crown City Church in North Austin hosted a Sunday service entirely created by AI. So he he had been hearing a lot about it. He has some software developers that are members of his congregation. And he thought, well, why not? Let's see what it can kick out. And he said it produced about a 15-minute service. And not surprisingly, his observation was that it was still missing the human element, mm. right? And then it further caused him to contemplate. I think this is a good question, kind of like what is sacred? You know, AI can't actually express, at least in its current state, emotions of love and kindness and empathy, Mm. commonplace, um, or what you would expect in a church. So um, I think overall I applaud him for trying the tool. We keep saying unless you – you know, play around with these tools and just try to understand them, then how can you actually, um, you know, it's just, what did you say when I sent this to you in Slack? You said something, mark my words. Mark my words, there's going to be a religion. It's going to be uh, Yahweh. A large language model religion? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yahweh, Yahweh AI. 
I don't know. I, I'm not the marketer. I can't come up with the, like, the name. You know, it's like Christianity. It's uh, yay, yay, I, I. I don't know. Some you you would you need to come up with the name of the of the religion because I would just fail. Okay. But I could totally I gotcha. program it to yeah. to take on some core tenant principles, and then it could write you know some gospels. You know, I do um, think this will be very interesting. It sounds more like they had a fun idea and they executed on it, and it didn't turn out so well. But I like the I like the take. Um, I can guarantee you, there's going to be some kind of weird religious thing that pops up some point and they're going to try to basically form an organization and make money but avoid tax. You heard it here first folks. I um, I do think that there's probably some people out there that have used it in a way similar to if you were to go to Google and search on verses about grief or mm. something like that mm-hmm. and maybe it could be used to help build thoughtful texts or emails that maybe you just can't find the words for um, yeah. rooted in scripture. So um, that's not really a, a revolutionary use case, but I, I do applaud the pastor for trying. I wonder if they streamed it. We should go check it out. Oh, that's a good idea. We'll do a follow-up segment. Yeah. Chase and Mel go to church, AI church. AI church. AI church. Oh, there we go. See, that was a good one, right? Yeah, I don't no, know. I don't know no. what you were going for earlier, but... Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground today, per usual. Thanks for tuning in. We want to hear from you. Thanks, Jason, for writing in. Um, If you have a question or a comment, a take on this or anything else that we've covered up until now, if there's something that we're not talking about that you think we should be talking about, please send us an email to thejunction at venttechnology.com. Until then, keep it automated.